This is L.A. Theatre Works. I'm Susan Lowenberg. I'm joined now by Dr. Carrie Bearden, a clinical neuropsychologist and assistant professor in residence in the Department of Psychiatry and Biobehavioral Sciences at the University of California, Los Angeles. Dr. Bearden is working to identify brain-based traits that may provide clues as to the underlying causes of psychosis and bipolar disorder. Dr. Bearden, welcome to L.A. Theatre Works, and thanks for being with us. Thank you. It's my pleasure. In proof, we meet Robert and Catherine, a father and daughter who share a facility for mathematics and perhaps an unspecified strain of mental illness. Based on the information provided in the play, how would you diagnose Robert and Catherine? Well, my best guess, given the way that their lives are described in the play, would be bipolar disorder. Robert has periods of excessive writing, um, hypergraphia, and Catherine, it seems, has periods where she's quite depressed and stays in bed all day, doesn't get out of bed. And these are both classic symptoms of bipolar disorder, um, the two poles, um, bipolar disorder and manic depressive illness. Bipolar disorder typically has an onset in early adulthood. It sounds like the course of what their mental illness has been. And the other thing that's interesting about bipolar disorder is that it has a very episodic course. So typically people can function very well for periods of time and, in fact, often are very high functioning and then have periods where they become increasingly disorganized or even psychotic and have a complete break from reality. You said Robert and Catherine. So are you saying that Catherine's fear which she expresses in the play, that she's beginning to uh, go bug house, as she puts it, in her mid-20s, that she does, in fact, show real symptoms that replicate what her father had? That's a really interesting question. And she clearly doesn't have anything close to the severity of the illness that her father had, at least at the time of his death. She does demonstrate some of the classic symptoms, at least in terms of the depressive pull of the illness. For example, you know, sleeping till noon, feeling like she's lost whole days of her life, not getting out of bed, not caring about her appearance. And typically the depressive pull does start prior to the full-blown manic side of the illness but it does seem that she has inherited some of her father's tendencies, both in the domain of genius in mathematics as well as some of his psychological symptoms. What role does heredity play in the development of mental illness? Well, it plays a pretty large role. In fact, the history of mental illness in one's family is probably the biggest risk factor of of having a mental illness oneself. So particularly um, disorders like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia have about 80% heritability based on twin studies. And so if you have a a parent with bipolar disorder, you have a 10% chance of having the disease yourself. And if you have an identical twin with bipolar disorder, you have a 50% chance of having the disease yourself. So clearly, you know, that tells us two things, that genetics are extremely important, but also that genetics aren't the whole story. On the other side, what role does heredity play in mathematical genius? A lot less is known about that. And so we know that intelligence, as it's measured by standard IQ tests, is extremely heritable. You know, there's certainly no specific gene that's been identified that is responsible for intelligence or, you know, on the extreme ends of genius. And in terms of 
the heritability of something like mathematical genius, that's been, you know, I think much more difficult to study because it is so rare on those extreme ends. So, you know, certainly it is to some degree heritable, but I I think what's also been difficult in really studying that is that it's a construct that's so difficult to actually define, you know, what constitutes genius. You mentioned Robert, the father, having graphomania. Mm -hmm. Clinically speaking, what is graphomania? Quite literally, it just means an obsessive impulse or urge to write. And from a clinical standpoint, we would probably use the term hypergraphia, which really uh, just means writing more than normal or writing more than would be typical. That has sort of a less uh, pejorative context than graphomania which implies there's something crazy about it, although clearly in this case, filling, you know, 100 notebooks with writing, probably graphomania would be a reasonable term to use for that. Is it more of a symptom or a condition? A symptom, I think, is an accurate way of describing that. So hypergraphia, you know, excessive writing or excessive urge to write often occurs in the context of temporal lobe epilepsy. And it's also a very classic uh, symptom of bipolar disorder. So people who are in the manic or even hypomanic phase of bipolar disorder, where not a full-blown manic episode, have these periods of excessive verbal productivity very often. And so that can manifest either in the form of excessive talking, talking very quickly, racing thoughts, and also can manifest as excessive writing. Does Robert seem to be someone who has bipolar disorder with schizophrenic features? Yes, I would describe him as bipolar disorder with psychotic features. Of course, you know, not having actually assessed him myself, it's difficult to say. There are certain features of the illness that tend to distinguish those two things. So schizophrenia tends to be a less episodic course. So people with schizophrenia tend to remain disorganized, having these uh, psychotic symptoms, so delusions or hallucinations, basically throughout the course of their illness, unless it's successfully treated. Um, whereas bipolar disorder tends to be more episodic, where um, one will have periods of functioning in some ways completely normally and other periods of episodes of extreme mania or, or depression. Proof also explores the idea of genius. Is there a known neurological component to what we call genius? No, the the neurological basis of genius has really proven to be quite elusive. And a great example of this is when um, Albert Einstein passed away and uh, neuropathologists were, of course, really eager to um, dissect his brain and see if there was, you know, some particular component of his brain that was so different from the average person's brain. And they concluded that his brain was fairly normal for someone of his age. When they actually started measuring different components, it did seem that his uh, parietal lobes, which is a part of the brain that's critical for visual spatial function and mathematics, um, was about 15% larger than the average person's brain. And, And so there is some evidence that people who have high intelligence do have larger brains with more gray matter, which is the brain tissue that comprises the neurons or the brain cells. And what is the specific area of the brain involved with genius or creativity? Are they the same? Have you been able to isolate that part of the brain? 
No, I think, you know, as I, as I mentioned, the parietal lobe is, is really important for mathematical function. But when you're talking about a construct like creativity, one of the things that makes this very difficult is that there's no clear definition of creativity and what makes a person extremely creative, because, of course, people can be creative in many, many different ways. And so the overall picture is basically that people with very high intelligence, um, high levels of creativity, this is actually a rather complicated story because people have looked at not just the brain structure, but also what their brains are doing when they're performing some type of activity, like a very difficult math problem. And so what it looks like is that basically when people who are extremely intelligent or gifted are performing a very challenging or difficult task, that their brains appear to be more energetic. They have more blood flow, uh, more oxygen going to the brain when they're doing these very difficult tasks. But when they're doing something that's easier, something that's you know, not very challenging, then they actually use less energy in the brain than people of more average intelligence. So it's a very complex story. At one point, the character Hal says, mathematicians are insane. Mm. What kind of traits do we associate with genius that might also be symptomatic of a neurological condition or a disorder? Well, I think the uh, hypergraphia, the, you know, filling hundreds of notebooks with writing is is a great example of that because, of course, you know, we as average people would have no idea whether, you know, is this uh, something that's ingenious that he's writing or is it something that's completely illogical and makes no sense. And so there's certainly a continuum of, you know, what is genius and what is, you know, insanity. So some of the traits that may be associated with the hypomanic or subthreshold manic phase of bipolar disorder are very common in, in people that are very gifted. So excessive verbal productivity, um, coming up with really exciting, wonderful ideas and wanting to communicate those ideas to people. I think those are all things that might be associated with someone who is very bright and also um, with someone who is on the verge of uh, spiraling into a manic episode. So why do you think we continue to romanticize the link between exceptional creativity and madness? Well, I think it's a fascinating issue, and I, I think probably we all feel that we have a little bit of that in all of us, and sometimes we wish we had more of that. I was going to say <laughs> that we want to have more. <laughs> right, 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 in the the positive. And it's it's a very fine line, I think, as, as is really nicely demonstrated in the play with Robert, between what makes uh, something genius versus what makes it nonsense. And throughout history, there have been poets, composers, writers, so many of whom have very likely suffered from bipolar disorder. And so there is a pretty strong link between exceptional creativity and manic depressive or bipolar illness. Dr. Bearden, thanks so much for being with us. It's my pleasure. Thank you. I've been speaking with Dr. Carrie Bearden, Assistant Professor in Residence in the Department of Psychiatry and Biobehavioral Sciences at the University of California, Los Angeles. This is L.A. Theatre Works. 